You're listening to the Alchemy of Self podcast with Romza. The world is currently in a state of rebirth. All of the systems we have inherited are collapsing and failing us as a species. It's time for us to come together and create something out of nothing. If you crave deeper purpose, unshakable strength, and a life aligned with your truth, this is for you. This is for you if you are curious and not afraid to ask questions. This podcast is for those searching for their purpose and those ready to step into their full potential. For lovers of truth and those ready for masculine medicine, this podcast is an adventure that gives voice to a journey of healing, discovery, and embodiment. We'll challenge the old narratives we inherited and forge a new path. Join us in this fearless exploration of the multiple dimensions of being human, breathwork, mindset, healing the body, detox, and how to use the gentle way of jujitsu to make you unstoppable in your wellness, business, life, relationships, and more. Hey guys, welcome to Our Deepest Fear with your host, Romza. Or Roman Zerodansky, whatever you want to call me, or Sally. I'm here today with one of my best friends. He lived across the street from me for years, and we didn't even know. And uh, one of my other best friends introduced us. And honestly, I didn't really like him for a really long time. We argued a lot. We butted heads. And then, you know, throughout the years, throughout the the adventures that we took together, wantingly or unwantingly, we wound up becoming really incredible friends. He's uh, one of my business partners. He is one of my confidants, uh, one of my greatest friends, and and just like an incredible human being overall. He's definitely a serial entrepreneur. He loves to hike. He loves to eat really incredible food. He has an incredible daughter with another one on the way and an incredible wife. He lives in Boulder and he is as mountain man as it gets nowadays. So without further ado, without any more bullshit from the past, I'd like to welcome Dimitri Godzin to Our Deepest Fear. What's going on, bro? Hey, good to be here. I love the intro. I mean, it's the only one I had, bro. Yeah, it's the, only it's the only one that needed to be had. So where do we start? Where do we start? Well, let's start here. I have a question for you. What did you want to be when you were a kid? For me, when I was a kid, if it wasn't a professional athlete, which it definitely was for a while. What, what kind uh, of sport? Football, definitely. Wow. Like with the feet or throwing no, the ball like, with like, the head? Like with the head. Incredible. Uh, let me ask you one question, though. Well, it's not even a question. It's just a joke. <laughs> what were you going to own the team? You're a Jew. Jews don't play football, bro. <laughs> yeah. At, at five, seven. I mean, I had facial hair at like 13 though. So I thought there could be like a next level, which never ended up coming. Once I realized that that, uh, that thing wasn't really going to happen. Honestly, my mom was a big role model for me in that thing because once we came to America, after she grinded for a few years of like what I would call uh, not the most optimal jobs for the most optimal pay, she went and opened up a bunch of businesses on her own. And I really looked up to that. I liked the, the control that she had over what she was doing, when she was doing it, and just having the opportunity to build something. So I kind of, 
at the age of 13, became partners with some dude who sold stuff on eBay. And we were 50-50 partners. Uh, my mom actually helped set that up. And ever since that point, that's kind of been a thing that I've been really into is just being an entrepreneur. I love it. What kind of stuff did you guys sell on eBay? We sold uh, car auxiliary, like light auxiliary parts and just a bunch of like uh, headlights and cool stuff like that. That's awesome. What, what were some of the profit margins like, if you remember? 13 was a long time ago. So I don't remember specifically, but I remember that I was making, I think like a thousand a month, which at 13 might as well have been like a trillion dollars. Wow. A thousand dollars a month at 13 is very impressive. Yeah. And the reason for me kind of stopping that was I just got really lazy with that because I was like a trillionaire as a 13 year old. So I was just like, whether I have a trillion or half a trillion, like I don't give a shit. So that kind of had me and him part ways when he was just like, I don't think you're paying much attention to this. And I was like, you're right. I'm not. So you said when you got lazy, uh, what, what were some of the things that you were doing instead? The main thing that took my attention away was I had my first girlfriend at that time. I started with him when I was probably 13, ended when I was probably 16. And that year, when I was 16, I was really focused on uh, girlfriend drama. Wow. Incredible. Yeah. So now like 20 years down the line, what are some of the skills when you look back on like, what were some of the skills that you learned throughout that process that you're able to look at now and be like, wow, like, that's what I learned at 13. The number one thing for me is being very comfortable with not positioning myself to get a job, but to become a partner. That mindset has helped me tremendously in many things, just knowing that I belong and knowing that I'm quote unquote good enough for those things. Like I'll give you an example. When I was probably 19, 20, I was playing poker basically professionally, just underground, not on TV, uh, seven days a week, like really hardcore. And there was a place where I kind of was familiar with the people. And instead of asking them to like work there, I said, let's go partners and I'm going to set up my own game. And just that alone resulted in a really, really, really great thing coming out of it, as opposed to me being like, hey, can I work for you? And that mindset difference to me has made a really big uh, impact. Can you... A, li a little segue, but can you tell me more about what that looked like, like underground poker games? Like I've never experienced one, so I can only imagine there's like a guy named like Vasya who opens the fucking little <laughs> little door with the, with the eyes and he has like an AK-47 and he's like, okay, bye-bye. <laughs> like you come in, you know? What did it look like? There's a wide spectrum and the thing you're describing is definitely on the spectrum. There's everything from the most upscale spaces that are designed and set up to basically be a mini casino where they have baseball players and professional cart like poker players go to a shuttered storefront where, you know, you would 
knock on the door and there would be a guy looking through the little peephole and then you would go through that guy and then there'd be a few more doors that you walk through so definitely uh an adventure but depending on what you're looking for in that adventure there's a lot of different tastes what's what's yeah. like the craziest thing you've seen in that situation in one of those situations so you can recall right now well it depends i guess crazier like craziest well, in one crazy sense for, for you for you forget about other people like when you still think about it it's like oh shit that was a fucking that was a crazy moment we had at that point most things weren't crazy to me at all just because no, reflect, it was such reflecting a, back reflecting yeah back. reflecting no. back no we were retarded at those ages like there's no <laughs> way we there's no way we would have known like that this is crazy this is just like this is normal life after hours normal life yeah the craziest thing looking back that i've seen is how many people that ended up playing high stakes didn't understand that it was a game of skill and approached it as a game of luck and even people who had so much money to begin with successful businesses like national level businesses that you know 6 months in would be looking for loans yeah in that in that world those people are called fish and the skilled players are called sharks in the sense of just like if you're not cognizant of the fact that it's a skill game think about that if you're just like let's see what happens while the other person is calculating everything and being intelligent about it over the long haul you have zero shot and because of how addictive it is i mean people would do like 48 hour marathons it would be like coffee red bulls but if you're down you know 8000 for the day you might be like i'm staying i want to get even or whatever that number is and it's it's a tough it's a tough environment especially looking back at it i was 2021 20, so to me it seemed like whatever i was making really good money that was like a thing i like i enjoyed but for people who had families where it's like dude you've been here for 48 hours like you have a family at home that's crazy like what are you doing here yeah they yeah. missed all the peepees cockies bro yeah for sure <laughs> there would be wow. people especially because uh, a lot of it was in New York City. So there would be a lot of um, religious people who would kind of be peeking through to see like who was in the room because they didn't want somebody in their community seeing them that they would be doing this. Bites. I know exactly what you mean. When I used to when I used to sell stuff, <laughs> when I used to sell illegal substances out of a strip club, uh, the Hasidic Jews would come in and like look around first. And then, then they would make a decision if there was any other Hasidic Jews there, they wouldn't, uh, they wouldn't go in, <laughs> Yeah, which is crazy because it's just like, bro, you're the same. <laughs> He's For there sure. too. <laughs> yep. That it's guy crazy. is not ratting on you. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. <laughs> what happened to the unity, bro? <laughs> you know, <laughs> wasn't that the whole point of religion anyway? <laughs> Wow. All right. So now, like, what do you do nowadays? So poker, that was in the past. Uh, definitely an interest. Uh, what did you do after poker? After poker, I went to uh, work on Wall Street being wow. a broker. Yeah. So same. Not same because obviously 
uh, a different world with different characters. And in one of them, I had to be on the call calling people. Mm. And you know, I love people, just not necessarily in heavy doses. Yeah. So speaking to people on the phone all day long, now looking back at it, doesn't align with kind of who I am or who I choose to be now. So that was definitely rougher for me than the poker thing. Can I, uh, can I see if I, I'm, I'm, if I'm seeing something correctly? Mm -hmm. So it sounds to me that during the poker thing, you were a shot caller during wall street. When you went, cause you started entry level, probably like everybody else on wall street or most people on wall street, you weren't a shot caller anymore. You were just like a cold caller, which is, I guess, a few steps down from shot caller. Um, does that sound about right or no? To some degree, yes. Like definitely true shot caller in the sense of like running the game. Um, yeah, you made a percent. Like you made a difference. Like you were and, important. And uh, with my aggression slash uh, muscles at that point. Yeah. Th that was the thing in the poker world also because it's like I don't foresee any issues with anybody because of that thing. Mm -hmm. What is interesting that happened at the Wall Street thing is I started off being the lowly like beginner. And at that thing, I remained that because I didn't enjoy calling at all in any way. But what I ended up doing was I literally became a quote unquote shot caller in the office for something else. So I was trading at that point and uh, trading options. And basically the senior dudes would end up coming over to me and being like, hey, which of these can I recommend to my customers? Because they knew I knew that thing really well. Because that's what I was focusing on there, even though that wasn't my job and wasn't what I was getting paid for. <laughs> I love it. Uh, <laughs> so you figured out a way to become a shot caller. Kind of, I guess, yeah. I but mean, that's not, your thing, but right? Not, but not intentionally. Well, I mean, that's obviously, just it's the programming, it's and that—that's—that's, that's, I guess, what pro, what the programming that I was talking about before does for me is like it's not a conscious thing where I have to be like, how do I do this thing here? It's just like, oh, I like doing this, and then the programming just leads me there. It totally makes sense because this goes back to the first question of like, who did you want to be when you grow up? Because when you got to a more like clear perspective of like, oh, I want to be like my mom, like she was a shot caller. Yeah, like that's for sure. the thing that you said that really resonated with you about your mom. You're like, wow, she was like my hero because like she did what she wanted when she wanted it. Like she told people, she told other people what they needed to be, get done. Yeah, so of course, entry level at Wall Street. They fired me day one at the Mercantile Exchange mm -hmm. because they said I have a bad <laughs> attitude. <laughs> so I get it. I get it. Yeah, for sure. All right, so now let's let's segue a little bit. Um, you really enjoy nature and outdoors, like literally, like out of anybody that I know, you have probably you've probably seen more places than anybody that I at least that I'm close with. Yeah. 
like for sure, like more places, like more ass shots in different, <laughs> like more of like that thing. Like in, in a way, you're my hero. Like that. That's why today I sent you guys a picture of my junk because like I needed to one up your ass shots everywhere. You have like ass shots in Africa, ass shots in New Zealand, <laughs> ass shots in Australia. Like I'm like I'm not gonna go to those places right now, but I got to one up. So I was like, I'm gonna send them my cactus. <laughs> We're even now. Almost, almost. I'm gonna send you. I'm gonna send you my junk from Africa. Then, then we'll be even, bro. I love it. So, what was the moment that, like, because I know you grew up in Brooklyn. You know what I'm saying? Like, what nature did we have? We had rats. We had mice. Sometimes, if we were lucky, we'd get mice instead of rats. But mostly, we had cockroaches, um, pigeons, uh, seagulls that were supposed to be white, but they were kind of weird, like dark gray. Um, <laughs> And squirrels that didn't really look, they, they look like squirrels with like, with like a, they were rats. They were for sure rats with like mildly fluffy tails. So like we would have like seven trees per block, 10 trees maybe per block at a certain point. Um, like what gave you the love for nature? Like you love nature. So like what, like what's the thing? So my first foray kind of into that thing, my first big international trip. I went to Iceland with my cousin Igor and he was awesome enough to invite me out. And we kind of spent all the days there in nature. We climbed a mountain, went up on a glacier and just did all these just incredible, incredible things. And like you said, totally opposite from what I'm used to in Brooklyn at that point. And that kind of opened my eyes to, oh shit, there's really cool stuff out there in the world. And to me, it was just such a such an adventure. Like, for example, when we went up that that I think it was a volcano. So it was like probably 60 degrees at the bottom. And then halfway up, it was probably like 30 degrees. Then all of a sudden, we're in a snowstorm. And we're walking along the edge of a mountain, we have basically like two feet of snow down. Then at the top, more snowstorm, there's ice. And it just to me, it was incredible. It was such a cool, cool, cool experience. That was kind of my first glimpse at it. But really meeting uh, my wife, Rachel, who is my role model and hero for that thing. Every trip became just like, what kind of cool nature could we go see? Or what cool places can we go check out? And I feel more at peace in those environments than than I do in Brooklyn or a city or somewhere where it's less naturey, I guess, as a way to sum it all up. So you're saying that in an Iceland, when you went with Igor, you fell in love twice. Maybe even more so. Maybe even more times than that. Because it might have been like the volcano gets uh yeah, micro, micros, micros, yeah. and then like the macro that sticks. Two macros, yeah. Two macros. Two that, big, that's... that's big, bro. Most people don't even have one macro in their life. Yeah, for sure. You know, that's big. That's like some paradigm shifting shit, you know? Mm, definitely. It's crazy. Uh, wow. I mean, that's, that's where I was actually going to go with uh, talking about like Rachel. Um, that was a huge shift for you like meeting Rachel, like you really like, like that. I mean, you guys, cause like human, like partners have a mastermind and, um, 
you guys like you when you're with Rachel and Rachel when she's with you, at least in my experience, has been like the third thing that comes out or the fifth thing that comes out is just like so much better than what I've experienced before. For like sure. that, that synergy, you know? Yeah. A hundred percent. I think uh, we balance each other out in a lot of ways and not just in the macro, but also micro. Yeah. Well, the, the relationships work in micros. A hundred percent. Like it's not, it's, it's very rarely like macros. I mean, like uh, I was, I was thinking about this actually a few months ago and I was like, man, micros really make a difference. Like diet, like diet's yeah. a big deal. Like people think it's like, it's not a big deal, but if two people eat completely different stuff, like it's, there's, there's dissonance. For uh, sure. If, if both people go to sleep at different times, like if one person's a four o'clock in the morning person and one person's like an 8 p.m. person, there's going to be a problem because there's always a dissonance in the energy. If one person wants to live in the city, one person wants to live in the forest, there's a dissonance. A hundred percent. If one person's minimalist and one person wants a seven car driveway, there's going to be this, And it's not right or wrong. It's just like a hundred percent. It's yeah, it's like it's 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 wrong for me <laughs> or wrong for you. And it's just like it's not aligned. It's not wrong or right. It's just not aligned. And obviously that's going to happen so, 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 so many times with two people just because that's just what it is. Yeah. And it's a matter of can you tune to each other? Yeah. Can you figure out a way to have either one of those options work because one person cares way more and the other doesn't really care. So like it doesn't matter all that much or come up with a third or 700th option that does work for everybody. Yeah. And it's like, that's a skill I feel like in itself too. the openness to, to align and make things work. Yeah. I guess those things don't even matter. Like the things that I said, right? Because those things are just symptoms, right? Because yes. the, the real thing that matters, which which becomes really hard to align on is value systems. Because and those communication. Are, oh, yeah, for sure. A hundred percent. But communication's got to be a value, <laughs> you know? A, hunt, a billion trillion percent agree, yes. Like that's, li that's literally got to be a value. Like honest, yes. loving, open, vulnerable communication is the only way to get into any sort of alignment. If there is lying or untruths, oh my goodness. Like it just, they stack on top of each other. And then one day they just fucking explode. I, you know what? Like I was looking at the symptoms because that's the way our brain is trained in the, in the Western world. But when you said, when you said about like the openness, it just hit me. It was like values. It's values. It's gotta be like Definitely. open minded has to be a value. Open hearted, yes. open minded, open, you know, like open, because if that's not a value, then if a person, if another person, yeah, because then another person comes in and they they're coming with their dogma because everybody's got a fucking dogma, whether we like it or not. Right. Like you like you and I have the former Soviet dogmas and then Brooklyn dogmas and then whatever else we've picked up in our lives that we think that we know. And then then we meet another person. Then they have their fucking dogmas like they have their own trauma. Maybe they were molested or maybe you know what I mean? Like they have their own trauma. So they bring their own shit. 
And if open-mindedness, if growth, if growth, growth-minded, like open-minded, growth-minded um, isn't a value, oh my goodness. I'm just like imagining it right now. It's just like, like explosions all the time. A hundred percent. And it's just, I almost feel like as long as that is one of the pillars for both people, you're pretty much good. Yes. Like I you actually, can overcome any of the other things. A hundred percent. Did I send you that video from Dr. Shafali? I'm not sure. So there's a, you know, Dr. Shafali or no? No. So Dr. Shafali's like uh, the, the Brene Brown, but like more spiritual um, and for like parents and families. Like that, mm-hmm. that's like her niche is like parents and families. And like, she it's very like enlightened, the stuff that she shares, very like almost guru-esque, but for a specific niche. Mm-hmm. And um, she said, don't marry for love. She's like, don't marry for love because uh, if one of you cheats on each other or something happens, like you, the love is gone and then you're married, <laughs> you know, <laughs> she's like, she's like, marry for growth that both of you want to grow. And when you want to grow, like everything is a growth opportunity. So I'm going to post that video. It was really enlightening for me, like marry for growth, not for love, because like love, love is a fleeting emotion in, out, up, down, you know, like it's always, it's there, but it takes time to um, realize that you emanate the love from inside of your heart and it has nothing to do with the other person. I totally agree. Okay, so segueing a little bit, now you live in Colorado. What are what are some of the things that you do on a day-to-day basis? Like, what are your days look like? In relation to Colorado or just in general? I don't know. I just wanted to say that you live in Colorado because I think it's really cool. <laughs> but like in relation to and just in general that uh, that that you're alive, period. <laughs> or three dots. Yeah. Um... I end up having kind of main pillar activities. Those are hanging out with my wife and kid, working, being outside. We happen to be fortunate enough to live up in the mountains. So when we kind of walk out the house, we're in nature right away. So all three of us, kind of enjoy really being outside and those are kind of uh the main pillars that's awesome what a beautiful life bro like you're you're like it's a beautiful life i mean your your house is in a place where it's the most beautiful place i've ever seen anyone's house <laughs> thanks bro it, it, it might not be the most beautiful place i've ever been thus far period but like it's the most beautiful place i've ever seen anybody have a fucking house and that's only like four weeks ago when I went to Montana where I was just like, fuck, Montana is like Colorado on steroids. Before that, you held the title, uh, you you held the crown, <laughs> uh, I would come and kiss your foot. Uh, yeah, but I mean, Colorado is incredible. What a beautiful, beautiful place. It was really important for me and Rachel to have the house be in a space that made us feel a certain way and i think within probably five seconds of 
driving up to the house, we both were kind of like, this is 100% it. The only reason it wasn't Montana or a place like that is when it comes to getting food and et cetera, et cetera, and like other stuff in life, it didn't really align with what we were looking for. This is more kind of like close enough to quote unquote reality and at the same time being completely outside of it, at least in our <laughs> in our eyes. Yeah, you get to have your cake and eat it too. You get to have the modern conveniences more or less and also like nature and seclusion and isolation and all the beautiful things that come with living in a secluded Zen monastery somewhere. For sure. Like if you don't want to see anybody, you don't have to. If you want to walk around with your dick out, you can. Like you could do whatever the fuck you want. And still and, be nine minutes away from Well, and not be in prison places. mostly. Right. <laughs> that's usually that's usually the problem for me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm more selective about when I whip it out. So uh, but I understand I just, but I understand. I understand the struggle. I'm more selective of when I put it in. Uh, okay so now what what do you do for work like we're business partners so most people have no clue uh that like what i do like i mean most people will never have a clue of what i do and i and that's fine uh but what like what do you do in the in the business like what are your some of your special powers that you've developed over the years what are some of like i mean i know what some of them are but well, I'm, wonder- I'm definitely going to turn it on you because I feel like for me to talk about my superpowers, I could do that. And I would love to hear you say it. Yeah. So I think your superpowers that I've experienced have been open mindedness. The ones that you've developed, the ones that you've developed, right? Like open mindedness, really good analytics. Like you really understand numbers relatively well, especially like you're really good at modeling, I guess, not even analytics. Fuck all that shit that I said before. You're, you've gotten really good at modeling. And that means for those of you that are not uh, initiated in the neuro-linguistic programming cult, uh, modeling is being able to replicate other people's behaviors, uh, operating systems, and also on a deeper sense, feelings. So Dimitri is really good at modeling other people's systems and processes and integrating them and making them his own. So he's an incredible uh, student. He's an incredible like human period. Like he has a very clear lens. So one of the things that really stands out is that he he's able to shift easily and think in a way that is full of possibility as opposed to the the common uh, modern perspective of looking for holes in things as opposed to looking for like a donut in a hole, you know? So those are those are big things like that that's what i see as like your superpowers for me i mean you're super loving you're super open um like your your values are incredible as a human being uh yeah it's just it's it's been such an honor and such a fucking such a privilege to see you being you period 
from when we first met to now and everything in between has been such a such an incredible experience. I, I think that I'll always remember it, even after I die. Thanks, bro. I appreciate that. I was just going to leave off with that thing, too, of um, I don't think that there is any point of our adventure just because of how emotionally, physically, just in every way charged it has been and how big of an impact it's made on my whole entire life and trajectory that I could ever, yeah, forget that thing that we have gone through, are going through now, and will continue going on. Yeah. <laughs> From this world to the next. Oh, that's going to be crazy. For sure. Can you imagine, like, no body? I could totally imagine. It's going to be weird sending dick shots to you guys, though. <laughs> I'll figure it out, though. I it'll was, be like, like plus, it'll be like plus electron, plus electron, minus electron, plus electron. Oh, he's sending <laughs> dick pics again. <laughs> yes. God damn him. Yes. <laughs> I actually, I actually shared this weekend what I shared with you, uh, with a friend about how, like what I want to happen with me when I die. So mm -hmm. I had like one or two options for now. I'm still figuring it out. But um, I told Dimitri that I want to be burnt and I want to be planted under like a really incredible fruit tree because I like when I die, I still want you guys eating my seed. <laughs> and then the second one was um, after I die. I mean, maybe we could do both. Like, why not? Like I can have it all right. Uh when I die, I want my ashes to be made into like butt plugs because I still want to be in your asses. <laughs> and Dimitri said the butt plugs would be for men only. And that would be like the universal <laughs> humor where they fuck me up. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it pays to be crazy. Yeah, it's like we talk about all the time. It depends on if the crazy is choosing you or you're choosing the crazy. Because when it chooses me, at least, I'll, I'll speak in, in that term. When crazy chooses me, it is not pretty. Yeah. You can ask Rachel about that. Yeah. But when I choose the crazy, that's transformed my life. So I guess the question is like the crazy that chooses you, is that fear or love? Well, it's always fear. Yeah. I was just like imagining it like when you said it and I was just like, I just love it. Like, I, but I understand what you're saying because for a really long time I resisted it, like that internal thing, um, like the artist inside, if that makes sense. Like people think artists are crazy, but um, art is just art, right? So when it comes from fear... Oh man, it could, it could destroy you like as a human. Uh, but when it comes from love, it, it can be such like an enrapturing experience for everyone involved. Uh, like that's what human, that's what comedy is, right? Like stand up, like it's art, like they're artists on, I, I, so I say stand up because Dimitri is a huge fan of stand up, and, uh, it's, it's such an amazing art form where people say the truth 
in a funny way <laughs> and it resonates with other people. Yeah, totally. Their, their truth, not the truth, their truth. Oh because there, there is no the truth. Well, my brother, I know you have a busy day ahead of you. I love you. I appreciate you. And I look forward to seeing your face uh, very soon. Uh, this platform that I'm recording on does not allow me to see faces yet, but soon it will be in the 21st century as well. And we will be able to do podcasts and I would be able to show the world how beautiful you really are. I love you and appreciate you. I hope I get called back for uh, another episode one day. A hundred, 150%, but you got to choose the nine, you got to choose the 90 minute option. Okay. Deal. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> I love you, bro. Give Rachel and Liv a big kiss for me and Rachel's big belly. And I'll see you guys soon. Love you, bro. Thank you for listening to the Alchemy of Self podcast. If you resonate with our message, please show us some love by hitting the subscribe button and giving us a like. You can also visit our website at www.romza.com to continue your journey of self-discovery and keep up with our latest offerings. With love and harmony from all of us at the Alchemy of Self podcast. <laughs>